You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2007 Frankfurt Avenue. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. When uh, Rod and I were traveling in Spain and walking the Compostela, I ended up injuring myself and I couldn't quit. So we, we walked on. Five days I walked and for the six years following those days I was in pain because of the injuries that I sustained. And um, it was wonderful nonetheless. And it was wonderful for this reason because I really did, as pilgrims will tell you, um, have to look much more deeply at myself and why I couldn't listen to my body. I'd, I'd grown up being strong. To be strong was to be good. To be strong was absolutely necessary in every way. And so part of my understanding of who I am, who I was, was that I needed to be strong because Jesus made me strong. And uh, unlearning that lesson was vitally important for my growth, my mental health, <laughs> and many of my relationships, I think, because being strong is sort of off-putting in the end. But uh, anyway, um, and, and that ties into what I want to talk about tonight, because I love this thing that our pastors have us thinking about, things that Jesus didn't ever say. Um, because Jesus didn't ever tell me that I had to be strong, but I sure thought Jesus had told me I needed to be strong. And part of the pilgrimage was unlearning that. And a, a lot of my life, I think, is spent unlearning. And uh, that's kind of joy, that's, that's freedom. So this week, the pastors picked as the, the sort of what Jesus didn't say is that you must be a good person. Uh, and I'm going to kind of fill in that blank. Obviously, what I reminisced about was you must be a strong person, which I think equates back to that good category. Um, so my mind was immediately drawn to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5. Um, and I just want to read you a chunk of it here. This is, this is the problematic verse, I think. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. I will admit to you that there are verses in the New Testament that sometimes I wish Jesus just hadn't said. And this is one of those although it is embedded in one of my favorite sections of the Gospels. I just think that this particular verse is so often misused. It's one of those things that I think we all have to unlearn. Maybe you've heard before that the word translated here as perfect maybe more accurately would be translated as complete. 
we are to become complete as we tumble along through life trying to do the things that Jesus sets before us in the whole of Matthew 18. It's really quite an opus. He starts out with the Beatitudes, this lovely list of what it is to be blessed of God. It's an inversion of everything people thought at the time. I think it remains an inversion of everything that we have been taught in our culture as well. It is the upside-down kingdom personified. Here, here's the ones that Jesus lists as those whom God blesses. The poor, those who mourn, the humble, those who are hungry for justice. In other words, they don't have justice right now. Uh, those who are merciful and who work for peace. Those who endure persecution for doing right, even if they are mocked and slandered, even if they are labeled as bad by their society. So, how are we going to work this be a good person in, even if you end up getting labeled as a bad person? Right, this is this is big list. He talks about us as lights to the world. He talks about the full meaning of the law and insists that reconciliation is better than winning any court's judgment in your favor as the person who has been the good person, as the person who has done the right thing. He presses us to focus on our hearts, not just our actions, when it comes to how we have sex and how we marry. He demands that simple honesty in how we deal with others is absolute necessity. He radically insists that loving enemies is always needed. And finally, he ends up with this line, you must be perfect. You must be complete. All this serves to underline how we are not very good at being good, I would contend. Give it a try. You will quickly find you need a savior because you can't measure up to everything that that lovely passage in his sermon sketches out for us. And to be honest with you, I think that seems to be right where Jesus wants us, among the humble, among the poor. It seems we are on our way to being more and more like him as we give ourselves over to needing him to be our savior, day to day, moment to moment. We become complete along this radical way of accepting love, love that is not earned by being good, but love that is given, love that is described by Jesus as relentless. In my office, I've too often listened to grieving people who think they are not good enough for God. They have heard these scriptures and the meaning they have taken in is that they must be good or God will abandon them Jesus won't like them. Most of them unconsciously condemn themselves. The more we talk about what's going on in their thoughts and feelings, the closer to the truth we get. They are actually trying to be good enough to save themselves. And Jesus never said anything like that. So, poof! <laughs> 
There's my magic energy wiping this demand to be a good person out of your minds and hearts. <laughs> Did it work? Are you free? Well, maybe it'll take a bit more work than my wishing it so, right? <laughs> so I want to reflect also on a recent trip I took to a very famous place in our news these days. I was in Ukraine this summer. Uh, and I want to reflect a little bit on this theme about Jesus not telling us we had to be good and sort of the work of MCC in the world. Jesus really does work to make us good and complete. He moves us along that way. It's just that he does it in his own way. My experience is that he does it when I'm not looking, maybe even when I'm not trying, maybe better when I'm not trying. There's mystery and gift at the heart of it all. I've been reflecting on what it means to be good with Jesus rather than being good as a mandate that Jesus demands. Can you hear the difference? I'm trying to reflect on what it means to be good with Jesus rather than being good as a mandate that Jesus demands of us. Early this past summer in June, I traveled with MCC to Ukraine to visit our partners there who are trying to love enemies and help people reconcile even during a time of armed conflict and war. We were in Zaporozhye, Ukraine, which is about 100, maybe 120 kilometers from the front where the fighting is taking place. As usual, when I travel with MCC, I'm inspired by the people I meet. I've been inspired by MCC throughout most of my adult life. A lot of good has poured my way through MCC. Uh, by the way, for those of you new to our language, the MCC is the large relief and development agency that's in more than 50 countries around the world that we contribute our time and money and heart and prayer to. Uh, MCC actually laces through our history as Circle of Hope. Maybe you don't know this story. Even before Rod and I dreamed of Circle of Hope, way back when we lived in California in 1983, I know some of you were not alive. We were alive, and we were planning to start our very first church planting. And uh, we knew we wanted to affiliate with a larger group of some kind. We didn't want to be one among the many Southern California uh, independent churches that were sort of popping up in the 80s. Um, so we knew we wanted to affiliate. Um, we wanted to be part of a larger community who embraced the Gospels in a, the same way that we felt convicted to hold them ourselves following the New Testament as closely as we could without any systematic formulations of theology, speaking plainly to one another, reckoning with the violence of our culture through loving enemies, trying to live simply in a consumerist glut. Um, we were Anabaptists by personal experience with God uh, rather than by receiving some words about what we ought to think from parents or from others. And we knew about the work of MCC. We respected that the organization was doing good all over the world, building partnerships with local people to meet dire needs for relief 
for development and for peace. It seemed the best expression of the gospel we could find. It was because of MCC that we contacted Mennonite churches and discovered the sister organization of the Brethren in Christ. We'd never heard of BIC, B-I-C, it was sort of in some of the lists and we only knew that as a pen. But other than this funny little pen that was ubiquitous, uh, we didn't know what BIC was. But we met leaders in our area and talked about this sense of calling to plant a new expression of the church. And these denominations were the ones who were supporting MCC from its beginnings. So we got connected with the BIC because of MCC. Over the years, we drew closer to MCC, going on learning tours to learn firsthand about the work in other parts of the world. The more we have learned, the more convinced we have become of the vital link MCC provides for us as Jesus followers with the entire global church around the world. I've been drawn into broken places by God and I've found through my contact with MCC worker, with their MCC workers, that good is done even in the darkest times and situations. When we came to Philadelphia to start Circle of Hope, we dreamed of working with the MCC thrift store network to provide jobs for unskilled workers and to raise funds to give through MCC to hungry, oppressed, and displaced people all over the world. Living in North America, where we have such a high percentage of the world's wealth and resources, it's easy for Jesus followers to just fall off any real recognition of what it means to give, to be true followers. We're surrounded by bids for our attention and advertisements to buy more things, to grab more experiences, to fill up our appetites. It's around us all the time. But this consumerist way of life is making us poor lovers and woefully discontent. We knew our new church would have to find a way to help us shake ourselves awake to the needs outside our view and to wake us up to the depth of compassion God has poured out on us. We knew we would never be able to show urban adults who Jesus is without some way to demonstrate the wide inclusive love of Christ tangibly. MCC was the natural resource we turned to, to make giving the bedrock of our teaching in our community. Martha and Jess and the team have far exceeded our early dreams for Circle Thrift. As I've pondered the psychological problem of being good, that I think this sort of way we live into trying to be good, it presents a sort of psychological dilemma for us. I've become all the more grateful for the expressions of faith MCC offers us as participants. We are in it. Likewise, I'm deeply grateful for the expressions of faith our compassion teams offer us here at Circle of Hope. When we act in compassion, because we have understood God's compassion for us on a daily basis, then we venture forward on a pilgrimage of faith that Jesus has called us into. We may stumble along the way. We will have to be open to the conviction of the Holy Spirit convicting us along the way, changing our route as we face our fears, our desires, and our grasping for ourselves. 
We'll have to turn back to God over and over. We will discover how we're not good over and over as we continue on this pilgrimage with Jesus. But good will seep through in the process. Giving is the way of Jesus. Giving is the way of freedom, I think, particularly for those of us who live in North America. But I've actually seen it all over the world. Giving moves us to openness to God's spirit in our day-to-day -day experience in ways that are simply at the very heart of this pilgrimage home that we are all on. I could tell you many other ways MCC offers us avenues to participate with God in spreading good, but let me have you listen to my good friend Ron in this short little video that he made just after we returned from Ukraine in June. MCC got its start 100 years ago in Ukraine, right where we went. We went back to mark the centennial. And this is Ron's brief explanation of MCC, what it is, and MCC, how it came to be. Bread, in God's name, bread. MCC volunteer, A.J. Miller, remembers arriving at the train station in Zaporozhye, Ukraine. The skeleton-like people lurching toward him, wailing Mennonites in Ukraine were starving. There was war and disease and famine. And they wrote to their brothers and sisters in, in North America, can you help us? Can you help us? And Mennonites in North America didn't have a history of working together, and they didn't know if they could come together, but in the end, they agreed that they could help their brothers and sisters in Ukraine. And that is how MCC began. And so for a period of almost two years, MCC was meeting 25,000 people every day. When I was in Ukraine, I had a chance to visit one of the very first Mennonite feeding stations. And at a memorial nearby, uh, we remembered the people served and the volunteers uh, with a simple meal, much like what it would have been prepared for these uh, feeding stations. Uh, bread, porridge, uh, and hot cocoa. And MCC is still here, still working with churches and other partners. One partner is the New Life Charitable Fund. And we had a chance to meet a family, a family who lived in the conflict zone, a family who didn't want to leave because of their severely disabled daughter. But eventually, the fighting came to their neighborhood, and they had to flee to the basement. And when they were able to come up out of the basement after the bombing had stopped, their roof was entirely gone, and all that greeted them was the sky above. New Life was helping them with uh, utility payments, and food parcels, and medicine, and much more. Another partner of MCC's is the Zaporozhye Baptist Union, who is distributing material aids to people in need, displaced families and others. They say they want to help people have a, a new chance in life, and that they couldn't do what they do without MCC's help. We visited a family, and uh, the mother told us how much these material resources meant to her family, and how much they helped give them hope for the life ahead. Says the prophet in Lamentations, do not close your ear 
to my cries for help, but give me relief. For almost a hundred years now, MCC has been providing the bread of the Lord's compassion and the abundance of God's steadfast love people in need in Ukraine and all over the world. You are part of that, so I hope you can uh, let that sink into the deep recesses of your soul. You're doing good. This is Katie. Katie's one of the country co-directors for MCC in the Ukraine right now. And she reminded us of all the failures that occurred as MCC tried to start. These folks that came over first had to get through all kinds of red tape, all kinds of problems before they were allowed to give relief. In fact, it took almost a year and a half of bumbling and false starts before anyone was fed. It was really hard on the North Americans who showed up to see the starvation before them and to not be able to get anything done. It strikes me that in North America we often equate failure with God's absence or disapproval. If it doesn't work, God must not be in it. And I think we equate our failures in the same way. We're not good enough somehow. But the motivation to give in a world where fear rules so freely must be rooted far more deeply in us. We meet God in failure. We meet God as we attempt to offer what we can with the sort of love that God has shown us. Persistent, seeking love, love that doesn't quit and doesn't measure our worth or our deserving, love that gives. Katie told us about a game that the Ukrainian children play. It's kind of a tag game, chaotic tag at best. They kind of set up these stations and kids run from place to place. And they're supposed to be trying to accomplish a task. So they go over here and they get told, no, you can't complete that here, you have to go over there to get this done. They run over there and then they're told over there, well, you could have come yesterday, but today you can't get it done, you'll have to go over there. And so then they go over there. It's a little like L and I, I think. And, <laughs> and, uh, and the name of this game that the Ukrainian children play, it's called bureaucracy. <laughs> I think the children are learning adult skills even in their games of tag. We traveled all over in very hot, sweaty buses. We were there at the time that the uh, US women's soccer team was winning the World Cup. It was very hot, if you'll remember. So we were sweating a lot, meeting partners and meeting very vulnerable people. The uh, guy in the center here is Boris. Um, he's the chef at a recovery house, himself a former addict. And what he's holding up are cans of meat that have been canned in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And um, they're just life-giving. I, I got him to hold them up like that. I thought he looked a little Rocky-esque there for Philly. Um, that that he's, he's taking this meat and he's serving the needs 
of hungry people who are trying to hold their lives together. And you notice in the bottom left corner, this is Peter. He was in Ron's video. And I just want to tell you, this is the way MCC works, this little story about Peter. Peter has a 43-year-old severely disabled daughter. She's never spoken. She's never been able to feed herself. She's completely bedridden, and they've cared for her her entire life. And that's why they wanted to stay where they were, because they had a place where they could care for her until the um, Russian incursion and the roof is blown off their house. So now they're about 120 kilometers in, and uh, they have no place to be. And so they're living in housing that's provided by one of MCC's partners. And we came to visit Peter on his 75th birthday. And Peter struck me as almost a classically depressed person when I first got off the bus. I overheard him talking to Katie as she walked in with him. And he, he said, I just don't know if I can keep repeating my story. It's so painful. So we came in, we sat down with Peter, and we brought a birthday cake, and we sang the Ukrainian birthday song, which is different than our birthday song. And uh, so some of us were not singing very loudly since we didn't know what we were doing. But uh, as he listened, he seemed to kind of rally, and he told us his story about having his home completely wiped out, about coming and finding hope in this place, about trying to rebuild his life, even at 75, with a daughter that he didn't know how she would be cared for when he was gone. And we talked, and <laughs> you, you never know hospitality until you receive it from someone who has nothing. And so Peter sets out on the table these bottles, uh, you know, he wants to share beverage with us. Well, I'm traveling with some really conservative Mennonites. You know, in Ron's video, when he talked about the Mennonites hadn't done much together when they got this call from Zaporosha that people were starving, what he's being kind about and, and nuancing there is these people really didn't talk to each other. They thought they were holier than the other because they did this or that at baptism or this, this group didn't practice. They weren't good enough, right? They didn't, they didn't perform the goodness of God in the way. And so this kind of fractured church. But because people were starving, MCC was born. They could overcome all of that because the focus was to give. And I think that's the lesson. I think it overcomes so much in us. And so as we talked with Peter and he offered us this beverage, I took a sip and I was like, this is wine. <laughs> this is alcoholic. And some of my folks here have never had alcohol in their mouths before. And right now they are. 
it's violating everything they think about being good and what they've told since they were in the cradle was supposed to be the way of life. Don't drink alcohol. And here they are with Peter smiling before them, giving them his homemade brew. I really loved that moment. <laughs> and they came to as well. It was okay. I don't think anybody suffered a lot of trauma there. <laughs> but uh, but this, this process, we, we walked back out to our sweaty bus, piled on, and Peter had followed us out. And I still have this image of Peter peeking around the door of the bus and looking at us and this smile just breaking out on his face. And it struck me again that, that this is the way this human contact, this human kindness in the name of Christ, it crosses all kinds of barriers. You know, when Paul, and I, I, just in closing, when Paul was at the end of his life, and his friends from Ephesus, his dear compatriots, came to him, the last thing that he said to them that he thought was the most important thing he could impart before he left for Jerusalem where he fully expected he would be killed is this passage from Acts 20. Now you can read the whole thing, but what I think is vital is this part that I put in yellow. Paul quotes Jesus, it's more blessed to give than receive. On our trek to being good, I wish we could understand that it's so much more in the flow of God to give. And we will receive. You know, many of us live unconsciously denying ourselves in unhealthy ways. And then we have also unconsciously been surprised when we end up resentful and angry, or our choices to get something for ourselves dissatisfy us too. We in North America need the wider view of the world that offers us freedom from the consumer culture in which we are drowning. Some of you will remember our old friend Ginny O'Donnell, who was with us. She was the outreach coordinator for Project Home for many years. Jenny knew people on the streets of Philadelphia. She knew the suffering. She knew the hopelessness. She knew the mental illness. But she never recommended giving them a single dollar. She always pressed us to send beggars to her. Give them my card. She had cards printed up that just had 1515 Fairmont on them because that's where she wanted us to send them. She wanted them to go where the need for relationship and the need for food were joined together. She didn't want us to give a dollar that would be used on destructive drugs or making the needy person a target. She wanted us to be smart in our giving. MCC is part of our attempt to be smart in our giving. All over the world, they're making relationships the basis of how we give. It's a partnership model, a joining together to share from the reservoirs of God's love. 
We give from what we have received. That's the only way we can manage this stuff. Don't try to give in order to be good, please. Give out of what you've been given. If you don't feel it, don't give it. In The Problem of Pain, C.S. Lewis wrote, our role was, must always be that of mirror to light, echo to voice. Our highest activity must be response, not initiative. Can you hear him? I think he was getting at the truth about giving, getting at the truth about being good and failing. We are a channel of love that is not ours. A good that flows through us and becomes ours as God works in and through us. We give out of this stream of compassion. We love because we have been loved first. This is the only way to not get mired in the murky moralism of our world deciding who is right or who is wrong, who is good, who deserves this or who deserves that. It is not about our being good. Jesus never said that. He knows we need something much more. He knew we had a terrible problem with being good. It's about receiving the goodness of God and reflecting that light, that compassion, that love to our world. That's our pilgrimage. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.